Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Weekly Spooky is brought to you by our generous supporters on Patreon. Get access to exclusive podcasts, videos, and more for as little as $1 a month when you go to weeklyspooky.com and click on the Patreon link. Your support has gotten us to 100 episodes, so join up today and help us create another 100 and beyond. Head over to weeklyspooky.com and join the Patreon. What's that? You want to be scared? Come with me. Experience tales of horror, ghosts, and death. It is not recommended for the weak at heart. Listen as in the dark. It's more fun that way. This is Weekly Spooky. Hello, my friends. It's Wednesday, and you know what that means. It's time to get a little bit of spooky in your weekly, and I'm here to help you. I am your host and narrator, Henrik Kuto, and we have a spooky, splattery, and uh, downright fun story for you this week, and I'm really excited to bring it to you because not only is it a good and scary time, but this is the 99th episode of Weekly Spooky. That means 99 times I've sat down in a dark room with this microphone and spun some yarns that you could use to weave your own fear. (laughs) I just thought of that one, felt pretty good about it. Uh, But I just want to say thank you so much for uh, hanging out with us for almost two years now, helping us keep the Halloween spirit alive all year long. And for those of you who have joined us because you're getting ready for spooky season, we're here for you. Believe you me, because we're going to have five, count them, five original Halloween stories for the month of October. Speaking of specials, next week is the beginning of the two-part episode 100 special. Ten authors bring you ten scary stories in bite-sized pieces, each episode running about an hour long, so two hours of terror is coming your way in the next two weeks. But for today, our terror tale is oddly appropriate because we're heading into the fall, but it's still the end of the summer. It's hot, but it's starting to cool down. And uh, around here, that's when the Renaissance Festival starts. I've never been a big fan of the Renaissance Festival myself, but I can appreciate why people like dressing up in costumes, acting a fool, and uh, 
living out a strange kind of fantasy. But sometimes that fantasy is a little more morbid than you might expect. It may be a little bit more twisted than just eating a turkey leg and wearing a bodice. Sometimes it's deadly. So enjoy the story, my friends, and I'll be back after to talk a little bit more. But for now, let's listen to the story. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Nightly News by David O'Han. Jennifer Lake paced the chevron carpet and rolled her eyes. She checked the watch dangling from her wrist. Tom Braddock texted her to get to his office immediately, yet she'd been waiting 33 minutes. Channel 7 News occupied a meager three-story building. You could get anywhere in the building faster than you could microwave a hot pocket, and Tom damn well knew it. Jennifer stormed to the receptionist's desk and picked up the phone. Hey! The secretary whined. You can't do that. Push the damn button. I'm tired of waiting. Jennifer put the receiver to her ear and snapped her fingers. Today. Someone's got their vibrator turned up too high. The receptionist leaned back in her seat and crossed her arms, pressing her ample breasts to the limits of her blouse. We both know I didn't get this job because I'm good at it. Just like you. Unlike you, Tom's not pissed at me, so sit your bony ass down and wait, princess. It was true. Tom hired Tegan out of Rowdy Clam's shack, where she danced under the name Wet Dreams. Tegan held her hand out with a venomous smile. Jennifer dropped the receiver an inch short and returned to pacing. She took out her cell and checked her texts, hoping someone had sent her a viable lead. They hadn't. Since the Mercers went on their murderous rampage and killed all those babysitters, Jennifer hadn't covered anything more exciting than a drive-by. It was as if all the psychos were taking a vacation. The babysitter slasher was huge for Channel 7, but her carriage of stardom was turning back into a pumpkin. Viewers were calling for their favorite weather girl to return to her duties, and Tom might grant their wish if she didn't come up with another winner. The intercom beeped. Jennifer turned and found Tegan looking back at her with a smirk while the intercom called for her attention. Again. Tegan leaned over and pressed the button, answering in a breathy voice. Yes, Mr. Braddock? Send Jenny in, he said through the speaker box. Jennifer stormed to the door and stepped into the office. Tom Braddock sat behind the oversized desk with his cowboy boots resting on top as he leaned back in his chair. Braddock was every woman's fantasy. Rich, sexy, successful, and dangerous. He was perfect. Until he spoke. Jenny, grab a seat. He grumbled. It's Jennifer, Tom. Jennifer sat down across from him. Like I've been saying for six years. Jen, let's not pretend like you're in a position to correct me. Tom swung his feet to the floor with a thud and straightened up in his seat. 
I have a special assignment for you. Jennifer's stomach soured. If Tom was personally handing her an assignment, her time was up. She needed that big story and now. Well, Tom, I'm actually working on some leads. You are, are you? Tom rested his elbows on the desk and steepled his fingers. Run it down for me. What's got your eye? I'm working the follow-up piece on that robbery homicide from Tuesday. It's Friday. Who gives a shit about some guy that died on Tuesday? Tom waved his hand. Next, there's my expose on the housing conditions in Diamond Glen. Advocacy reporting is for bleeding hearts. Tom shrugged. You don't have one, bleeding or otherwise. Give it to Roger. Roger will intentionally overlook gang violence in the Glen. Jennifer smiled. I do the piece now, set the scene, introduce the victims. When it boils over, we're set. It's good storytelling, Tom. Without an inciting incident, it's shit. Next. I, well, I have some new leads in the... Jennifer paused. She knew better than to say it. She sighed. I have new information into the Mercer sex cult. Tom pointed at her and clicked his tongue. And there it is. The FBI is still digging up bodies on their property. Three prominent members of the community were arrested for their involvement and... And you decided to name drop the state attorney general and a former vice president, Tom added. They were both identified on the tapes, Jennifer protested. The sex tapes, Jen. You implied their involvement in the... Other tapes. I said, stop. Tom held up a hand. The Mercer train has reached its station. It's time for you to get off and do some reporting. You're covering Fantasy Fair. Are you fucking kidding me? Jennifer stood up, stomping her heel. That's amateur hour. Tom lifted the plaque from his desk and read it thoughtfully. This is my desk. He slammed the plaque like a gavel which means you will sit your ass down and listen to the terms of your continued employment. You were voted Arkansas's favorite weather person five years in a row. Not because you're somehow better at it, but because you're hot. This may not be very woke of me, but there's going to come a time all that goes away and you're going to want to hide your muffin top behind an anchor desk. For that to happen, you need to learn how to do more than just exploit horrendous murders. Jennifer slumped back into her chair. Good, you're listening. Tom leaned back and put his hands behind his head. You're covering the fair and you're taking Tegan along. For what? Is there a chance we'll need to dislodge a golf ball from a garden hose? Tegan's wanted to do more for a long time. I've been letting her do man-on-the-street stuff for our online platforms and people love her. The two of you will be able to cover more ground. You'll expand your resume and she'll get valuable experience. Jennifer started to argue, then hung her head. When do we leave? Jennifer sputtered her pink lips and pointed at the group of faux fur-wearing drunks sloshing their mead and plastic horns while they sang around a fire. Vern, get a shot of the nerds singing sea shanties, she said. Her cameraman, dressed in a kilt for the occasion, went to the bonfire and broke into song along with them. Jennifer threw her hands into the air. Fantasy Fair was a renaissance fair for the role-playing crowd. Three days of LARPing, table-topping, medieval games, cosplaying, and nightly fireworks displays. 
Tents for gamers, sales booths, and fortune tellers lined the designated walkways, while carts rolled around providing booze and bottled water. Crowds cheered from the historically inaccurate bleachers borrowed from the high school as a jousting tournament commenced. Jennifer had covered the opening round while Tegan collected sound bites from the fans. She hated to admit it, but the receptionist was doing a good job. She jumped as a hand closed on her shoulder. Jennifer spun and snorted with laughter. The portly young man wore a fake tiger skin across his torso and carried a foam club on his shoulder. I am Bodum Gorfist, and I have come to free you from the bonds of your brazier, he said with a hiccup. That's sweet, Bodum. Jennifer fanned away his ale-scented words. But why don't you go roll your dice somewhere else before I free your teeth from your mouth? Spear tease. Bodum waved her off and staggered away. Jennifer groaned. The whole assignment was a punishment. Everyone was mingling for the time being. There wasn't anything left for Jennifer until the bard karaoke contest kicked off. She started down the path looking for someone worth interviewing. They tried dragging a child away from its parents to playful giggles. Jennifer stopped at a wagon. A young woman in prosthetic elf ears sat outside casting runestones and giving fake fortunes to a gathered crowd. Beware, she hissed. A dark shadow looms like the barn owl flitting over prey. The Stygian knight returns from his slumber in the bowels of Erebus. Only the claiming of a new bride will entomb him for another hundred winters. Fucking geeks, Jennifer whispered and continued on. She scanned the crowds when she heard a roar of male cheers. Jennifer pushed between a man and his cow to see what was going on. Her shoulders sagged. Two women wrestled in a pit of mud, and one was topless. Tegan sat on the fence that surrounded the pit, filming the event with one hand and swinging the lost garment over her head with an excited squeal. The bare-chested wrestler was a towering mass of tightly wound muscle. The Amazonian flipped her opponent over her shoulder and seized a handful of her hair, pressing her face into the mud until the smaller woman conceded. The red-headed victor stood every bit of six foot and pumped a fist into the air. The crowd cheered again. She approached Tegan, who offered her the skimpy covering she'd lost in battle. Hold on to that for now, the Amazon said. You can return it to my tent later. Tegan grabbed her mud-streaked hair and pulled the woman's face down for a kiss. The crowd exploded in catcalls and wolf howls. Jennifer watched them exploring each other's dental work and started mentally updating her resume. The secretary was going to have Jennifer's job by Monday morning. Bodum leaned on a tree and rested his club against the trunk. He tugged his loincloth to the side, freeing his manhood to the evening chill. No retreating, my mighty stallion, he told his shriveled member. We must dispatch much ale to continue our conquest of buxom harlots. Bodum urinated noisily against the knotted roots of the tree with a pleasurable groan. A branch cracked behind him, and he cast a blurred glance over his shoulder. Alas! This facility is occupied. He punctuated his decree with a belch that reminded him of his 
nutritionally imbalanced lunch. Find your own damn tree, fair knight. The knight stepped forward, his armor plates rattling as he approached Bodim. What's this? Doth thou wish to cross swords with the mightiest of barbarians? Bodim laughed. How do you even unsheath your weapon in that getup? The knight flexed his gloved fingers and reached for the handle of his sword. Seriously? I've got like three pints to get rid of, bro, Bodum said, out of character. Let me shake it off and we can roll for initiative if you really want to do this, but you know where my hands have been. The knight jerked his sword free of the scabbard. The polished blade sparkled in the moonlight in stark contrast to the black plates of his armor. Bodum turned, splashing his stream across the knight's feet. Shit, I hope that doesn't rust. Bodum snickered and tucked himself into the loincloth before grabbing his club. He squinted at the sword. What are you, a fucking noob? Real steel's banned. The black knight swung his weapon, slicing through Bodum's styrofoam club. He charged forward while the barbarian gawked stupidly at the stump. The knight's shoulder plate struck Bodum, knocking him over the tree roots. The cosplayer whined and sat up. Fucking aggro much? The knight aimed his blade at Bodum's nose. I give up, bro. The knight reached up, lifting his visor to reveal his expressionless eyes. The visor clanked shut, and he gripped the sword in both hands, raising it over his head. Bodum screamed until the blade split his skull. What'd you think of Anoxia? Tegan asked as she wiped mud from her lips. Tom said I could do something exclusive for the website. I think I'm going to interview her back in her tent. I bet a lot of people would be interested in hearing more from her. Yes, I'm sure she's a real cunning linguist, Jennifer told her. Do you have to be a bitch all the time? Tegan pulled Jennifer's arm to stop her. You see this as some shit assignment, but most of them are. Rex covered the annual Coon Supper for 18 years before he made Anchor. He still goes out and does it because it's tradition now. Not everywhere they send you is going to be a bloodbath. You act like local news is beneath you. Get over yourself, weather girl. Fuck you, Tegan. You showed Tom your asshole so he'd stick money in your thong and got a job out of it. You don't get to lecture me. I hope your pussy isn't as cold as your heart or you're not going to have a career to fall back on. Tegan laughed. You honestly think taking my clothes off for tips is somehow less degrading than exploiting dead babysitters? I use those tips to pay for journalism classes. And yeah, they were online before you go there, but I'm actually trying to be good at this. And I'm having a blast in the process. You're being a miserable bitch and getting the experience to match. You think you're better than me? Then maybe act like it. Tegan shouldered past her and went to find Anoxia, stopping to talk to anyone she found interesting along the way. Jennifer started after her and stopped in her tracks. The anger wiped off Tegan's face in an instant as she approached two kids with foot-long beards glued to their faces and padding stuffed into their outfits. She knelt and giggled and took pictures with them. Jennifer scowled. She used to do things like that when she was the weather girl. People would ask her for her autograph and send her gifts on Valentine's Day and her birthday. 
It was a dead-end job, and Tom was right about her wanting an anchor position. Jennifer wandered through the fair, using her digital to capture some B-roll. A group gathered in a candlelit tent and groaned collectively as one of the players rolled poorly. She filmed them for a moment and then moved along to a pair of geeks battling with foam swords in defense of a damsel's honor. A petting zoo closed for the night to a chorus of children promising to come back the next day and visit their favorite goats. She spotted Vern knee-dancing with a group of barbarians painted with woad. An elderly lady fanned herself and played coy to mock proposals of young men who jockeyed for her attention. The bimbo was right. Everyone was having a blast at the stupid event, except for her. Jennifer sighed and prowled the grounds, stopping to sample Attila the Hungry's homemade mana bars. The combination of honey, nuts, and peanut butter reminded her stomach it was empty. The organ vocalized its need for greater sustenance, and Jennifer got another of the bars to hold her over while she found something more filling. A bard stumbled by strumming his lute and belting out lyrics about a reporter named Lake who was as wet as her namesake. Jennifer snickered and recorded the rest of the performance until the bard, distracted by his flirtations, backed into a burly knight in battered armor, who lifted him by his violet cloak. The reporter laughed as the men exchanged nerdy insults. Jennifer's eyes drifted to another figure in the background, however. The rune-casting elf girl from before was making rounds between food carts and building a plate. Jennifer went and joined her at OK Brewing's What Ails You? and tapped her on her shoulder. I'm Jennifer Lake with Channel 7 News. I was wondering if I could buy you a pint for a brief interview, she asked. I think that's the best proposal I've gotten today, the elf said, and the first one that didn't involve a penis. They both got a mug and found a picnic table where the fortune teller ripped into her snacks while Jennifer improvised a camera stand. Before I came here, I thought this place was just for nerds. You're, well, obviously not what I expected to see, so what brings you here? Tegan asked. I'm a huge nerd, Anoxia laughed, roughly towel-drying her hair. I've always been tall and athletic. Boys didn't want to date me in high school. I excelled at sports, so the girls didn't want to hang out either. One day, some of the losers asked me if I wanted to have lunch with them, and they were all talking about Dungeons and Dragons. My dad and uncles used to play that, Tegan said. They were everything they wanted to be when they played, and I liked that. So eventually, I wanted to join. I beat a bunch of the jocks arm wrestling and took their lunch money, Anoxia remembered with a wide smile. Once I had enough, I bought a rule book and read it religiously. That's how Anoxia came into existence. That's awesome. Tegan jotted it all down in her comp book. I see someone strong and beautiful, and I didn't think about how there could be a downside to that. I appreciate that. Anoxia sat on the cot and tossed the towel next to the battery-powered lantern. Have you ever done any... role-playing? Just in the bedroom, Tegan snorted. Can you show me how to do it? Someone screamed for help, making Anoxia jolt from the cot. You might have a more exciting story than me, the Amazonian said. Vern wiped the brain matter from his eyes. 
The horse neighed and kicked one of the barbarians in his blue-streaked face. The rider, adorned in black armor, swung his mace and bashed open another skull like a gore-filled piñata. A couple of players discarded their foam swords for branches and tried pummeling their attacker. The sticks clacked and pinged against the steel plates. The sickening, wet splat of the spiked club pulverizing flesh sent Vern running. Help! Someone help me! He shouted. The freedom of his kilt aided his flight. The noise of the karaoke contest guided him back to the fair as he continued calling out for anyone. Hooves beat closer. He chanced to look back and saw the night. A shadow against the distant glow of the party's fire. His pursuers slid free the wooden lance from the horse's saddle. A ring of tents sat illuminated by a fire pit. He angled toward the gathering, hoping to find safety in numbers. Vern tried shouting again, but his lungs were fighting to keep him moving. The metal point of the lance hit the base of his skull, knocking his teeth out as it tore through his mouth. Vern's feet pumped in the air as the momentum lifted him from the ground. The lance hit a tree, shattering into splinters and leaving Vern in a heap around its roots. What was that you were saying earlier about the Stygian night? When you did the thing with the rocks, Jennifer asked. They're runes, not rocks. The fortune teller, Elodie, laughed and took off her elf ears, massaging the cartilage with a happy groan. The Stygian Knight is part of the game lore. The creators just released an entire adventure module around his return, so it's playing a big part in a lot of the events at this year's gathering. Jennifer pursed her lips. She didn't do any research before coming out, reinforcing the idea that maybe she wasn't a real reporter after all. She cleared her throat. I didn't know there was a game, she admitted. I kind of made a snap judgment about the whole thing, to be honest. A lot of people do, Elodie patted Jennifer's hand. We celebrate all fantasy here, but it's our collective love of Dragonspawn that created Fantasy Fair. The Stygian Knight is a character from the game that's always been in the background. There's only two ways to get him to go back to Erebus, the underworld. The most common is to satiate his need for love. A woman becomes his bride for a century. It's used a lot to write off characters that people are tired of or whose players have moved on. What's the other way? He can be bested in combat, but only by a virgin. Why a virgin? Well, for starters, it rules out most of the heroic fighter types. It makes the campaign shift focus to the clerics, paladins, and wizards. It also helps a lot of players with their self-image. How so? Jennifer sipped her ale and leaned on the table. Virginity and masculinity are seen as incompatible. Elodie popped a cheese cube into her mouth and shrugged. Everyone assumes players are virgins. They treat it like it's the worst insult they can come up with, so the creators made the virgins the heroes. Perhaps against the Stygian knight, a voice said. Elodie groaned. Jennifer looked to the new arrival, decked in polished armor with a flowing crimson tunic over it. The man didn't wear a helmet over his angular, handsome face. The reporter focused on his features, trying to remember where she recognized him from. It takes a real man to defeat a horde of orcs or a bugbear, a man such as I. He put his hands to his hips heroically. I 
am Aldus Francisco, Lord of Gygax. More like Lord of Ballsacks, Elodie grumbled around the rim of her glass. Aldus ignored them both when he noticed the camera. He slid onto the bench beside Elodie, nudging her to the side to get into frame. What are you filming? he asked. An interest piece, so I don't know why you're sitting, Jennifer told him. She snapped her fingers. Wait a second. You're Francisco Reed, the quarterback for the Little Rock Riot. Aldous straightened and cleared his throat. I'm sorry, miss. I never break character. The screaming interrupted the impromptu interview. Jennifer snatched the camera off the table and recorded the people running away. She recognized the screams. They were the same kind she had heard at every major story of her short career. She watched the crowd flee, taking steps closer to them. Elodie grabbed her arm. Jennifer looked at the woman's hand and pulled free. A good reporter runs towards the danger. Jennifer sprinted into action. The dwarf was keening, trying to keep his guts in as Tegan crawled over him with a whispered apology. When she'd screamed, people filed out of their tents, straight into the Stygian Knight's path of violence. He bashed their heads with his mace, sending the survivors fleeing in terror. The next camp came running to help them, only to turn tail at the sight of all that carnage. Anoxia prepared for battle as the knight dismounted. Tegan recorded the event. The knight dropped his mace into a fresh pool of blood and drew his sword. Anoxia looked around for a weapon, and he charged while she hesitated. His sword flashed in front of her face. Tegan gasped as a lock of red hair floated in the firelight. The Amazon dropped low and lifted the knight into the air, tossing him into the bonfire in an explosion of embers. He rolled away from the flames, his sword slashed through the air to keep her back. Anoxia kicked the hilt, knocking the weapon away. The Black Knight's knuckle guard cracked against her jaw. His gloved fingers twisted in her hair, and a blade sprang from under his gauntlet with a cold shk. Anoxia blocked his arm, stopping the point against her throat. The black helmet battered her face until she stumbled away. The knight lunged with the concealed knife, plunging it into her tightly muscled abdomen. The sword sparked off the side of the knight's helmet. He staggered away. His own weapon rushed toward his visor. The knight sidestepped and slashed with his dagger. Tegan's shirt split down the middle. A thin gash from her navel to collar opened. The knight's killing blow stopped an inch short. His helmet cocked to appreciate the view. He slugged the neophyte reporter across the jaw instead. Jennifer watched as the knight slung Tegan's unconscious body over the back of the horse and set off toward the stage of the karaoke contest. She ran to the campsite filming the bodies. Anoxia groaned and tried to get up, only to fall once more. Jennifer helped her sit up and gave the warrioress her phone. Call for help. If I let him kill the boss's secretary, I'm definitely out of a job. Jennifer collected the mace from the blood puddle and sprinted after the knight. En Vogue's Free Your Mind grew louder as she caught up. Terrified screams replaced the catchy lyrics. Jennifer took cover behind a large speaker while she filmed the knight's rampage. Her would-be suitor cowered beside her, pulling his purple cloak around himself. He's killing everyone, the bard whimpered. You noticed that too, huh? 
Jennifer crawled past him to the anachronistic DJ booth. She flipped the switch on the side of the generator, casting everything into darkness. Jennifer switched her camera from video to still and inched along, letting the moonlight guide her towards Tegan's captor. The horse stomped around while the knight laughed at whimpering victims bleeding out beneath him. Jennifer took a deep breath and prepared herself to do something stupid. Tegan groaned. The knight twisted and grabbed the back of her neck. Shush, wench, he shouted. Jennifer paused. She expected a growl, something deep and fierce, not a nasal squeal echoing from inside the obsidian helmet. She scoffed and charged straight at the horse. The camera unleashed a burst of flashes. The horse reared back, rolling Tegan from its haunches with a plop. The knight screamed and clung to the steed's neck. Jennifer flashed it again and smacked its shoulder with the mace. The horse bucked wildly, bouncing the knight and launching him into the air. Jennifer heard the satisfactory clank of his armor bounding across the field. The lights came back on with a sudden roar from the generator. The bard stood, shaking at the booth with a smile stretched across his face. Tegan pulled the remains of her shirt together and tied them in a knot around her midriff as she joined Jennifer. They approached the fallen form of the knight. He started to stir as they drew near. Tegan heard the shik of the blade and jerked Jennifer's head out of the knife's path by her ponytail. Jennifer swung the mace as hard as she could. The knight dropped to his steel-plated ass and wrestled to get the dented helmet off his head. The ragged metal tore open his cheeks between the thin line of a patchy beard and a spray of acne. He sobbed as he worked a broken tooth free and spat the remains to Jennifer's feet. You stupid cunt, he squeaked. You shouldn't have done that. The knight clambered to his feet and drew his sword. Tegan ran away. Thanks for the help, Tegan. Jennifer gripped the club handle, wringing it with her fist. I'm going to make your incel ass famous. The knight's sword goes limp. How's that for a headline? Bitch! The knight swung wildly. Jennifer backpedaled and met his blow with one of her own. Their weapons clashed again. Jennifer braced as the knight spun and unleashed a powerful slash that knocked her to the ground. The knight aimed his blade at her heart. I guess I'll still be penetrating one of you uppity bitches tonight. The knight laughed. I cast fireball, motherfucker. Tegan shouted. She knelt next to a large, narrow cylinder. She held up a remote control. Jennifer's eyes followed a red cord from the cylinder back to the squat concrete bunker behind the secretary. The realization dawned on her, and she rolled away from the knight, covering her face. Tegan pressed the button. The mortar shell fired with a resounding thump and slammed into its base plate. The Stygian knight flew through the air on a trail of sparks and disappeared beneath the karaoke stage. The explosion knocked over the stage lighting and set the decorative skirt ablaze in a multicolored flash. The wooden structure ignited instantly. Tegan went to Jennifer's side and helped her to her feet. Guess you got a real story out of this after all, she said. Yeah. Jennifer rubbed Tegan's shoulder. I guess we did. Sirens wailed in the distance. The two reporters raised their cameras to film the night's funeral pyre. The stage collapsed atop his remains, setting embers adrift on the breeze. It's a real hot night, huh, weather girl? Tegan nudged Jennifer's ribs. Don't push it, secretary. 
Hope you enjoyed that. Do I say it? Nightmare. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that one. That story actually spun off from one of the Babysitter Massacre books, which you can find at Amazon or on Audible.com, narrated by myself. Babysitter Massacre, Daddy's Little Killer, written by David O'Hanlon, who wrote this story. So uh, if you haven't checked that out, head over to Amazon and punch in Babysitter Massacre. You'll find three books for your reading pleasure and one available on audiobook. So uh, I'm really excited, you guys. Next week, the big 100th episode, parts one and two. I think you're going to really enjoy them. And uh, I, I'm going to get emotional again and again about how incredible of a journey it's been, how fun it's been to be so dedicated, and how dedicated you all have been as the audience has grown and grown and you guys have continued to have fun with us every week. I really do appreciate it. And I appreciate those of you who have headed over to weeklyspooky.com and clicked on Patreon and are supporting us every single month by throwing us a little bit of money, whether it's a uh, dollar a month or paying a little extra to become one of our Patreon podcast boosters, who, by the way, I want to name right now are Gino Lyons, Michael, a.k.a. Charm, Karen Wiemet, Jeff and George Hilton, Craig Cohen, Rob Fields, and Kevin Fry. Thank you guys so much for helping me bring the spooky every single week. And if you join Patreon, I'm going to tell you right now, September and October, they are good months to join the Patreon because not only will you be getting additional episodes of the podcast, you're going to be getting early access to scary short films, some uh, sensual photo sets, and so much more. And no, the photo sets are not of me. I'm sorry to disappoint. Uh, they're photos I've taken. So anyway, my friends, I need to get out of here and prepare for the big two-parter that's coming right up. So please stay safe. But stay spooky and know that I am so grateful to have your ears every Wednesday. So for myself, for my producer Dan Wilder and my composer Ray Mattis, I will talk at you later. Thank you for listening. Make sure to find your way back next week. But for now, you are safe. Trust me. <laughs>